Hello and welcome again to the Fellowcast. Uh, this is a Bring Your Own Bible episode. I think we're on episode number 82 of the Fellowcast as a whole. And I think, Garth, you have been part of many of these episodes. And today we are going into Genesis 46 all the way to the end of Genesis. Yes, we're finally closing off with the beginning. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So this is where, where Jacob then leaves for Egypt with his family to meet up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. yeah, our previous uh, chapter finished off um, with Jacob not believing. He says it's just unbelievable that his son can live because all these years now he's been believing that he's dead and he's been mourning him. Yes. And um, then finally when he sees the carts that Joseph sent and the gifts that he sent from Egypt, then he was willing to trust his heart to believe that mm. my son is alive. And then at starting at the next chapter, we see just God's father heart, just how caring he is towards his son. Um, because on account of those things now, Joseph believes, but then God comes in chapter 46 and he says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there, and I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Sure. Isn't it just so beautiful, that mm. promise of God, that he just reassures him. He says, listen, you can trust. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and there they go. They, they load everything on the carts, livestock, everything, absolutely everything. And then in the rest of that chapter, we get a bit of a list of who actually goes. Mm -hmm. And all in all, the numbers um, is interesting because it's 66 people mm. that are on these carts moving towards or 66 direct descendants yes. of Jacob yeah. not counting the sons of his sons mm. all right um, and then uh, obviously by that time already Jacob is an incredibly wealthy man we've seen it all the way from Laban moving into the land of Canaan and his wealth has increased so there's a lot of stuff and yeah. animals moving with him but then it says and all in all his family living in Egypt is 70. Mm. So, so what, what is the other four then of this? Um, but we're about to see in the next chapter what's happening. Uh, because Jacob is so joyful of seeing his son Joseph again. It's just like a gift to this man. Mm. When he speaks to Pharaoh just now, you're going to hear, he says to him, listen, um, my years have not been as many as my uh, predecessors because it's been few but hard. Mm. He's really suffered. Mm. This has really knocked the life out of Jacob here towards the end, losing his son. Yeah. But when he gains him again and he sees his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, his uh, eldest ones, he says to him, these are counted as They're mine. mine yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> he says, listen, I got you back. And now I'm going to have 12 sons, man, uh, with the 12 tribes instead of the 11 that it should be. You're yeah. going to be double. Uh, my son. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. So that sort of makes it up then, because then it's Joseph and his wife and his two sons. Yeah, that's then the seventy. Fills up the rest and altogether seventy. Yes. And uh, when they come to settle in the land, Joseph actually says to them, "Then um, I'm going to ask that you stay in the area of Goshen." Now, even today, if you go and check up photographs of Goshen, um, it's the best part of Egypt. It's the greenest part of it mm. because for the most part, Egypt uh, is desert except for those parts next to the Nile. But Goshen is sort of like a bubble, a green bubble that spreads out from the Nile. Um, and he says to them, so I'm going to ask Pharaoh that you go and stay there. 
But when you speak to him and he asks you, what is your uh, occupation? Then tell him, uh, we have livestock. We are shepherds. That's what we do. And that's what we've done from birth. So he then selects five of his brothers um, to present them before Pharaoh. And when he asks them, they say, that's it. He says, all right. And then I will put you in the best of the land. I will put you in Goshen. And in Goshen, I will put you in the best territory, which is then Ramesses, which is still today have some of the greatest artifacts to go and see in Egypt. My kids are actually quite fascinated with it at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Legos and Egypt. Legos and Egypt. That sort of sums up any kid around about my kid's age, I think. (laughs) And dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaurs eh? are always a firm favorite. My brother once told me, um, there's two times in your life that you know the name of every single dinosaur that ever existed. <laughs> it's when you're eight years old and when your child is eight years yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, ach, but so beautiful. Finally, when Jacob sees um, uh, Joseph, he says, now I'm ready to die. Since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Mm. And that then sort of brings us into the closure of it. So they settled down then um, in this area, Ramesses. And the drought is still continuing. Um, So it's still desperate times, even when they come to Egypt, because um, there's no greenery on the land. It hasn't rained. There's no crops. Um, They're not even halfway into the drought yet. And then we told how Joseph had to deal with it because the people of Egypt would come to him and say, um, listen, uh, we've bought with all the money that we have, uh, all the food that we could get from you. And now our money is up, but the drought is still continuing. Um, let us not die. What are we going to do? So he says, all right, well, bring to me your livestock. I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. And so they start bringing him the livestock for that year. Um, and by the end of the year, they've given him all the livestock. Now, Pharaoh owns all the livestock, and he's got all the currency, all the money around in Egypt is his. And so they come to him the next year and says, what now? We cannot hide from you that we don't have anything but our land and our lives Mm. left to give to you. So please buy our land from us in exchange for food and buy our lives. Reduce us to servitude, but just keep us alive. And so Pharaoh then buys all the land and all the people uh, in that year through Joseph, except for the priests. The priests still get their allotment of food from Pharaoh. So by the end of the drought then, uh, Pharaoh comes to them and says, all right, you belong to Pharaoh. Your land belongs to Pharaoh. So here is seed. Mm. Uh, Sow it on the land, produce fruit, and one-fifth of all of it, I think it's 20%, of all of it has to come back to Pharaoh then. So that will be your taxes. Um, And by the time that um, Moses writes this, during the time of the Exodus, which is four generations later, it says, and this is still today, um, the way that that Pharaoh works. Um, So just consider, sure, this drought turned out all right for the palace. Mm. (laughs) They became exceedingly wealthy and their power in the land just increased. But it was a gracious means of keeping the people alive. Um, And God has been kind in all of this. Mm. God has really not just preserved Egypt, but the Canaanites, everybody around that could come and buy food from them. Mm. Everything from one dream, eh? Yeah. 
crazy how it all comes together. Praise God, Pharaoh listened yeah. and Joseph had faith. Yeah. Uh, it's just incredible how God could, could save. And God can do that today. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, still the same God. Just open up a revelation of what's to come. Make ready. This is my plan. Yeah, there we go. Let's save a country. Amen. Yeah. So then um, uh, we finish then off with Jacob calling the family together. And first and foremost, he, he gets Joseph coming in with his two sons. And um, he makes him promise. He says, Joseph... Um, I'm old in age. Uh, I'm going to pass away. He's 110 years old by the time. No, how, how old? 130 by the yeah. time that he comes in. And he lives another 17 years in yes. Egypt. And um, close to the end of it, he says to Joseph, listen, I want you to promise me that you will not bury me in Egypt. And that's a, it's a statement of faith, isn't it? Mm. Because he knows where his descendants are going to settle. And remember that Abram already bought that piece of land, um, that cave of is it Machpelah, and um, some of his family members is already buried in that. So he makes Joseph promise, "You're going to take me back there, and you will go and bury me in that land where you and your descendants will settle." Hmm. So he doesn't know how long this is going to be yet. Um, it doesn't sound like he remembers the prophecy that God gave Abram. Do you remember it, Volu? Well, I can go read it again. <laughs> it was phenomenal reading through this again, just thinking way how way back this is. Yeah. This is now great-grandfather, yeah. and God spoke to him and said to him, um, at that, that dream moment that he had where he saw God moving through those pieces of animals like a burning oh, yes. pot, um, after that God said to him, it's in chapter 15 from verse 13, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached their full message, measure. measure. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, I mean, now they're well. going into Egypt. And God has already spoken about this two generations ago. Yeah, wow. Laying it out for them, this is what's going to happen for the next four generations. Sure. Um, so they're not coming into the land expecting to be slaves, but God already said, this is what's you, gonna happen, you're yeah. going to be taken in slavery. You're going to have a hard time here, but I'm going to come and save you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's important to write down God's promises. Yeah. Eh? Otherwise, we get stuck in a hard place and we don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, God knows this. God yeah. knows what's coming. Um, so he says to him, you're going to go and bury me. And then uh, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, at that moment, it's actually still Manasseh and Ephraim, is presented to him because Manasseh is the oldest. And they put in front of him, um, uh, we're told that uh, Jacob was ill at that time already and he was nearly completely blind. But when he heard that Joseph is coming in at the door, he um, got his strength together, sat up in bed and put his feet off the bed. Mm. So he must have been really weak. Um, and then he says, well, who are these? They says, well, they're my, my sons. He says, well, bring them to me. And he kissed them. And then he put his hands on their heads. But Joseph, knowing what the culture is, the right hand, if you put a blessing, will be on the oldest hmm. uh, always. So he puts them in front of dad so that Manasseh will be at his right hand and Ephraim at the other. And 
And then Jacob goes and swaps his hands <laughs> and puts the right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh. And he speaks out this blessing um, and the greater blessing to Ephraim, uh, which is you're going to be a leader. You're going to be um, royal in the land. And then Joseph interrupts him and says, but dad, what are you doing? This is not right. He says, no, I know, I know. Manasseh will also become a great nation. He will also be a people. Uh, but this one, Ephraim, he will be stronger. Mm. And um, from here on out then, every now and again, you read the half-tribe of Ephraim or the half-tribe of Manasseh. They're called the half-tribes because the two of them would make a whole, which is Joseph. Mm. But they each counted as a tribe in the okay. nation then. Yeah. Um, and then the, the rest of the sons are brought in. And every one of them then receive a blessing from dad. And I'm going to read a couple of them because... Um, Some of them sound like curses, to be honest. <laughs> that's why I'm going to read them because, yeah, um, I want you to think with me about it because mm. I sort of often waver about what does this mean? Mm. You know, because on the one side, I think, um, like say, let's start with Reuben. Reuben is the eldest of the sons, so he goes first and he says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. Now that happened shortly after Joseph. Um, no, no, no. J just around about the time when his wife died, when Rachel died. Yeah. Um, so how many years is this now later? And out of the whole of Reuben's life, in that end moment where he could speak a blessing over his son before he dies, he chooses to call that up again. Yeah. Um, so I often think when we read through scriptures like this, it's like, it's Jacob, right? Jacob is Israel. Jacob is perfect. Everything he says is prophetic and it's perfect. <laughs> But that's not how the Bible gives it to yeah. us. So I, I would see actually in this a dad who hasn't forgiven yet yeah. and who choose to leave his son uh, with a grudge mm -hmm. that he still has against so, him. That's a whole different way of seeing it because you're right. There is this kind of thinking because when I read it, I always go, well, wasn't Jacob, you know, the one who was also a bit of a schemer and a this and a that? And it's almost like he maybe he's a bit it's like himself replaying into his children's lives in many ways and then he just calls it out maybe hasn't forgiven himself mm. but that's true you often want to just see over it and go well maybe i'm not seeing it the right way but if you mention that you know maybe he had still unforgiveness in his heart it's not yeah. impossible yeah I, I mean you could have um like in the previous generation right with isaac jacob and Esau. The dad could bless both. Yeah. We spoke about that. Um, it's our choice. I've, I've got blessing for every person on the face of the earth if I walk like Jesus, if I can speak and see like Jesus, that I can speak life into people. Mm. Um, and yeah. So <laughs> then the second two, uh, Simeon and Levi, are mentioned together. They're brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Now this is really interesting. If you remember that Levi is going to be 
Now, he's not at this time, not by a long shot, but his people eventually are going to be Moses, Aaron, the prophetic tribe. Priests, um, they're yeah. going to be the priests, all right? And that's for a choice that they're going to make later in the story. Yeah. It's not something here. Hmm. And yet already here, it, it's definitely, that's a curse, right? Yeah. There's nothing beautiful about that. No. But Levi will be scattered among the tribes of Israel yes. because they won't get land. Why? Because the Lord says, I am your inheritance. Yeah. I am your inheritance. You will not get land on this earth. I, God, am your inheritance. <laughs> Which then is a beautiful thing. So they scattered as these um, cities all yeah. through. They just get cities with little um, pockets of land around them. Um, for Simeon, though, it never turns out good. Yeah. But what is, what is Jacob remembering at this moment? Again, the... He's remembering the just sin. after we came into the land, you killed the Shechemites. Hmm. Uh, hamstrung their horses in your fury and therefore I don't want anything to do with you is basically what he says sure it's rough eh yeah and again um, they've done many other things in their lives but he chooses to remember that thing and mm. speak that out the moment before he dies I don't think uh, I, I don't see it as godly yeah eh? as a as a Christ like heart yeah Judah on the other hand um, remember he's the guy who came up with the whole idea of <laughs> actually selling Joseph Joseph um, he later redeems himself because he's willing to give up his own life mm. uh, to keep Benjamin safe. Um, he's also the guy that as they come into the land, um, dad decides to send him ahead to Joseph to ask directions for where Goshen is. Mm. So it seems like there's a restoration and relationship with dad. Um, but he then gets this prophetic word that we see fulfilled ultimately through David and through Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, with that line, verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah and all the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. Nations, plural. Mm. Wow. Uh, so it really, that we see as fulfillment in Jesus. Yeah. He is from, uh, on the throne of David and from the lion of Judah. Yeah, it actually mentions something about he's like a fearless lion or something. Yeah. In, yeah. in Judah. Yes. Yeah, and then the other one just to put out there is Joseph's blessing, which is four times as long as the longest <laughs> other one. Uh, he just heaps blessing on him, and that is after in the previous chapter he's already blessed his two sons, mm. spoken blessing over their lives. And um, that beautiful line in the previous chapter, he says uh, to both the sons, he says, in your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Sure. Okay. And then he just says, listen, you are the brother with a scepter. Uh, you are a fruitful vine, mm. all of those things. Um, he's just elevated among the brothers beautifully. Yeah. Mm. Finally then, when he does die, they fulfill it. Um, they then embalm him. So Joseph calls his physicians. Um, and from what I've read, it's a very expensive process. It's not something that anybody can do just... Um, it's a very expensive process. So he, out of the power and wealth that he has, then uh, embalms his dad. And then they, he goes to Pharaoh and he says to him, listen, my father have passed away. He've made me promise that I will go and bury him in the land where he comes from, in a particular cave. And um, Pharaoh blesses him and says, yes, go do that. Mm. But then listen to the entourage that goes then with Jacob's family. Because that's going to be in stark contrast to where we are going to be just a few pages from now, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> where Israel, 
uh, that's his name, right? Yeah. Jacob is Israel, where Israel is so mistreated yeah. by the Egyptians. It's completely sure. forgotten how honored they were yeah. four generations ago. Sure. So um, all Pharaoh's officials in verse 7 accompanied him, the dignitaries of the court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's family and his brothers and those belonging to his father's house. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. They had a military entourage and every dignitary in Egypt said, we will go and make this uh, difficult journey far out to go and bury Joseph's dad. Sure. Eh? He's absolutely honored. And then um, when they get to the place, finally they're in Canaan, um, uh, Joseph then initiates a seven-day period of mourning. And the Canaanites around hearing the mourning says, that's a solemn, solemn occasion mm. of mourning. Um, so they're all touched by what happens over there. But then coming back, just at the close of the book, we've mentioned it last time just briefly. Just a sad moment when dad is now dead. And they've been in the land a couple of years already. Joseph had never shown anger to the brothers, uh, any malice. He actually, it says earlier, he provided them with a portion of food, enough every time. So out of his own pocket, he gave them what they needed to stay alive for them and their children. And yet the moment that dad is dead, um, they came together and they sent him a message. They said, uh, well, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and... Uh, puts us, uh, pays us back for what we have done to him. And so they sent him this message and said, so this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. So they said, this is what dad said, Joseph. Before he passed away, he told us we must tell you. And it's a lie. Yeah. And Joseph knows it. Hmm. Eh? I mean, he's going to see through all of that. Hmm. Um, and when he gets the message, it just says Joseph wept. He was just so deeply struck um, because still after all these years and what he's shown them, the favor he's given them, still they've got this fear inside of them. They've never forgiven themselves for what yeah. they've done to Joseph. Yeah. And it's haunting them. And then he just says, listen, don't be afraid. Um, am I in the place of God? You intended it for uh, evil but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Mm. Um, and I hopefully that settled the case. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Every one of us will, th will have to come to God and say, God, you've forgiven me. Mm. Uh, even my family members that I might have wronged or my friends or whoever, a company that I've wronged or something, they might have forgiven me. I need to deal with it in my own heart. Otherwise, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, yeah. will keep hammering you over the head with it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you read that about the brothers and them struggling to fight to actually accept forgiveness from Joseph. Again, I, uh, it's just one of those things you want to draw that comparison yes. to how we relate to Jesus. Often, you know, we we know when we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven. But I think many times we we live towards him as if he's still somewhere along the lines he might want to you know bring that up again but like you rightly said that's the that's the mm. devil's job yes and that means you you've still got a, a wrong perspective of who jesus is what they is and that's obviously what they had with their brother they never really got to know his heart um mm. was maybe all superficial to them just the 
for what they could gain from it. You know, they were taken care of, they had food, yeah. they had a place to stay and safety until the next thing might come and they might get chucked out. So yeah. it's interesting to yeah, think if about. Yeah, you just think they, all those years, why did they think he was taking care of us? Well, yeah. it's because of dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. he actually loves dad and dad loves us. So yeah. <laughs> they never took it personally. It's a second like grade. Yeah, thing. my brother actually loves me. He cares for me. Mm. And that's absolutely, as you say, that's Jesus towards us. Yeah. Well, then Joseph passes away at the age of 110. And he then, the same as his dad, has this faith inside of his heart. And he had his body embalmed. And he told his brothers, when you leave this place, you take my body with you and you go and bury it next to dad's mm. in that cave of our family, in the land that God is taking you to. Incredible faith, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, hey? again. Yeah, uh, and he's, he never sees it, obviously, himself, uh, but he and his heart knows, mm. I'm not going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my place. Yeah. And that's after um, everything that he enjoyed in Egypt. You want to say, listen, if one guy out of the family will say, I can settle down in Egypt, mm. it's Joseph. He's living in the palace, and he's got all this honor, and yet he knows in his heart, this is not my place. Yeah. Uh, which is the way that we have to live on this earth. Now. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see that again in the life of Moses. Yes. Growing up in Egypt and eventually also leading yeah. the people out. So. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to, to Joseph then, we then get this gap um, literally between that last verse and the next verse in Exodus, which is four generations, um, or as that prophecy says, around 400 years. And in that period... This family of 70 is going to grow into a massive nation. Sure. Um, that's where God's going to make them into a nation, which is interesting. I mean, they were staying in Canaan. God could have made them a nation there, yeah. and they could have just taken out. But God makes them a nation even in the middle of hardship. Yeah. He increases them yeah. and then leads them out victoriously. And then remember the promise as well. We'll, we'll keep looking back to that promise that Abraham received. Um, that they're going to leave with the wealth of Egypt. Uh, they're not just going to leave as slaves. They're going to yeah. plunder Egypt as they go out, and God's going to break the power of Egypt um, as they leave. Mm. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much, Garth. And it's been a real great uh, run through through Genesis. I think we, we could probably call it a run because uh, we do go through quite a few chapters every week. Yeah. Um, but it's been great just just recounting these stories and there's so many lessons that we take from them. I think for me personally, I have to often after we've had, we've recorded these, I have to think about it again and I have to think about the what, what we've spoken about and the implications of some of these stuff stuff in my own life. So, yeah, I trust that everyone who's been following along and listening would have the same effect in their lives that the word would actually bring fruit and life to them. So we look forward to Exodus. Uh, there's quite a few chapters in Exodus that we have to get through. Yeah. Um, uh, um, as far as story is concerned, you'll see that we, um, we're going to make a few jumps in Exodus because there's okay. just um, this whole explanation of how the tabernacle is going to look. We won't cover all those details. We're okay. sort of running through the story. And then it, after setting it up, it all repeats again just to say that they're going to make it exactly the way that God yeah. said. Um, so we'll move a bit faster in there. Okay. And then also we don't have a family story now anymore. Yes. That's done. Now it's a nation story, uh, which is a, a different flavor. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. And you can listen to these lessons in more detail, uh, if I'm right, on YouTube, right? The ones that you put on YouTube are yes. more 
detailed. Uh, I think it's an hour hours worth of teaching, um, and Garth goes into way more detail than what we share on the on this platform. So I'll put the link in the description to to the YouTube channel to those who've been listening and want to maybe get some some more out of it if you want to. So thank you for listening along. Until next time.